Thank you for joining our podcast from New Life Church Greenbrier. If you're joining us for the first time, we would love to know about it. Just text Greenbrier to 88000 and fill out one of our Connect cards. Now, let's listen in to today's message. Good morning, everyone. I am excited to be here with you today. Uh, It's been a journey this week, and I think it's so cool to to see God's hand in so many things. When I was just, as we were worshiping, and even that last song, it just revealed we're singing. I'm going to sing, and I'm going to praise you in the middle of the storm. And you may think that was on purpose because of what happened, but those were Wednesday we came up with this set list. And between the, the songs and even at the end of service and just the way that God moves, even before we know what's happening, is so cool. Uh, you know, as Pastor Tim mentioned, it's been, a, it's been a quite, a, quite a thing for many of us with the tornadoes this week. And, um, and although we weren't directly affected here, I think most of us know someone or have some connection to someone as, as widespread as it was that was affected and uh, so I started this week, you know, planning for Palm Sunday and this great celebration and, and praying about God to show me different things. And, and uh, then on Friday, as it was all coming together and I'd kind of written the message and was getting ready, we, we get the news of this and we're watching all this unfold. And uh, those that, that know me, uh, and I come from a first responder background, and so it's like, man, when that started happening in my brain, I just shut down and I'm... I'm wanting to run in. That's what I've done my whole life. And, um, and I almost did. <laughs> Honestly, I went back and forth and I'm just like, go if you think you need to, you know, whatever you need to do. And it was one of those moments where God just kind of pulled me back. And he said, no, I've given you a, another responsibility this weekend. And it was to prepare the message and, and to be ready for this. And he said, you know, I've, it was very clear. He said, I've prepared other people for this. It's your time to sit this one out. And that was hard for me. Uh, it was hard for me not to do that. And I, I typed a few different text messages and delete, delete, delete. And I'm going or let me know and this and that. And, and ultimately I surrendered to him and I didn't go with everyone. And his, Tim mentioned it to our team earlier. He's known me for a while and different. Uh, he knows some of my different nuances and, and the way I act and, 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 and just habits and different things. And so I'm up here, I am up here yesterday as the team's getting ready to leave. And man, I was... I was lost because I w- I'd come up early and was praying over you guys and the sanctuary and the message and people start coming in and they're all dressed and ready to go to work and go serve people and I'm in my flip-flops and my shorts and, you know, and I'm like, and I had to, I had to dress that way so that I wasn't tempted to just jump in the trucks and go, you know, honestly, it was on purpose. And uh, so I was trying to honor that, but, but Tim noticed and, and Byron noticed and some of them, they're like, man, what's wrong? I'm like, man, you know what's wrong, you know? <laughs> Uh, I don't want to sit this one out, but anyway, I'm so thankful that we had so many people that volunteered and did get to go, and uh, so, but also in that, as I prepared for this celebration, it's, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a punch in the gut, and I realized though, and the Lord was showing me, just as we sang in that song, that even during these storms and even during these times, and sometimes more than others, it's important that we know that we still have a reason to celebrate, and people are more open to that in these times, and to the Lord and what he wants to do for him because it's a desperate time. So I am excited about today and, and what we're going to look at. Um, but before we do, I just, I just want to pray 
and as much to clear my mind and invite the Lord into this. So y'all pray with me. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for Palm Sunday, Lord, and, and the proclamation that was made on that day in history and, and for who you are to us, God. I just pray that you, you're able to remove any of the distractions that any of us have, Lord, that, that we're thinking about right now and that we could focus in on you and what it is that you want to speak to us, Lord. I pray that it's your words and not mine as we move into this. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So in that today, we are going to look at kind of the last week of Jesus' life or that, that time period and, and what that looked like for him. I, I know it, it sets it up pretty good for us, I think, for us to focus on this week. But, you know, I've heard people talk about it. Many times people think, or if, given the scenario, if, if you knew how long you had to live, you know, what would you do? Or there are things you would do. And so if you had a week left to live and you were capable and, and, and able to do about whatever, how would you spend that time? And so there, sometimes there's some crazy things people come up with and everybody's going through their bucket list and all the things they want to get through. And, and I, I've even had some of those crazy thoughts, uh, you know, before. And some, one of the ones that comes up a lot of times for me, I've always said for years that I wanted to go skydiving. And uh, I know it sounds crazy to some people. And even as I get older, it sounds crazier to me and I'm not sure about it. But, uh, but I, through the years, I've kind of talked about that. Then my daughter, she's here this morning. I love Carly. Uh, she gets to be with us this weekend. But she, she started wanting to think she wants to do that. And so we made this deal a while back that, that like, when she graduated, we'd go skydiving. And so she graduated high school a few years ago, and it came up. And I'm like, well, I didn't say graduated what? <laughs> you know, I kind of had a loophole there because it's, it's not been quite at the top of my list anymore as I get older. And fortunately, though, it was right in the middle of COVID, too, and so it wasn't even an option. But the bad thing is that she's got a year left and she graduates college, so y'all pray for me. <laughs> About this time next year, I may need some prayers. But, but uh, what we see with Jesus, though, is that in his last week or so, he just kind of lived a normal life. He kept doing what he was doing and the ministry that he had. There wasn't this mad rush of trying to accomplish all these things. It was pretty normal. And so there's a great pattern there that we see in, that he was intentional in relationships. He was intentional in helping people, performing the miracles, and then ultimately in following through with God's plan for our salvation. So I just we want to look at that, and, and we'll look at this passage just to kick it off. And a lot of you are familiar with it uh, as he comes into Jerusalem. We're going to look at Luke 19, 28 through 40. It says, After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Say, The Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? And they replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. And when he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teachers, rebuke your disciples. They didn't like him being proclaimed king. It's okay to do some of these things, but they didn't like that. He says, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. You know, I, I, 
many of us have heard sermons on different aspects of this passage uh, over the years, if you've been in church at all. And, and honestly, at the beginning of this week, as I was praying and preparing, I was like, God, I, you know, I want fresh eyes in this. I don't want to just get stuck in, in the normal things. Show me, show me what you want us to see, what you want us to hear even this weekend in this passage that, that's familiar to so many of us. And as I, as I kept I'd reading, it's in all the Gospels, and so I'm reading the accounts, and just the thing that it really just stood out and bold to me every time I read, read through it is, the Lord needs it. Just that statement, and that that was enough. And, and I dug into that even more and what that meant, and, and there's, different, there's different things even that people will say of, of what that meant to the people saying it or even to who was hearing it, but we're not going to get hung up on that. I really just want to look, like, look at and reflect this week as we approach Good Friday and even Easter with what does the Lord need from me? What does the Lord need from me? He needed a colt that day to, to fulfill a prophecy and to, to help do that, but what does he need from me? The last week of his life is a great model for a fruitful life because we're called to make him known throughout the world just as was happening on this day. But this... This model of Jesus' life shows us the things that matter most. And I believe teaches us in some ways how to have a lasting legacy in that. So the first thing I want to look at today, your first point, is, is that the Lord needs me to show compassion to those around me. Now this was written before Friday too. And, and honestly, we, I was going to challenge you to create an opportunity, and, and I still am, to have compassion on someone this week. But, but that opportunity has been given to us. There's a lot of people that need compassion right now. But let's look at this passage as Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem that we see when he was, uh, what he was doing here in Matthew 20, 29 through 34. It says, As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they had heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight and followed him. You see, you, you look throughout Scripture and throughout Jesus' lives, and we can see that most of Jesus' miracles started with an interruption. He had to stop and recognize it and actually be interrupted in his life and what he was doing in that moment. He's on a mission here to go to Jerusalem and to ultimately, you know, die for our sins. And yet these two guys are yelling out, so he paused and he met a need. I know I can be the worst at this sometimes. I can get on a mission and I can be very task-oriented and, and just have blinders on and I can get focused on something. And as I was going through this, I'm thinking about that and the many times that I've probably missed out on some of these interruptions and opportunities. And uh, I thought of a funny story that I'll tell you all about. Uh, if you don't, haven't known me very long, I, I had a career in the, as a firefighter in Little Rock. And there was one day I was walking through the firehouse and uh, overheard my, a couple of my guys talking and, and they said something about my walk. Or I, could, I could pick up they were talking about me. And I said, I said, what are y'all talking about? You know, I stopped as I was coming across there and they said, oh, well, uh, you know, you've got to walk. 
And, and we know when Captain Sutterfield's walking this certain way, Tim's laughing because he knows the walk. I know he's laughing. And uh, they said, we know when Captain Sutterfield's walking a certain way that we need to get ready because there's about to be something to do. He's on a mission for something. And one of them gets up and starts like doing my walk or whatever and making an example of it. And I said, you go get up and just get to work. You're right. I work, we're on a mission to do something. But it's funny. They knew and they could see that in me and knew that something was about to go down and uh, needing to get done. But, but see, Jesus, he would turn interruptions into holy opportunities and holy moments. He didn't have blinders on like we can do so many times and like I've done many a times. Too many of us are letting miracles pass us by because we've got our head to the grind and we're, our nose to the grind and we're, we're just going so busy and we don't let things interrupt for us. Sometimes our opportunity to be used in a miracle can pass us by because we miss that chance. But this is, that's why I want to focus on this. This is how we can, we can set this week up as we try and focus on Jesus and what he did for us in his life. We can set it up great. Jesus starts his last week off with compassion. He was loving other people. When we live compassionate lives, the focus isn't on ourselves as much as it is on others. We talk about this in marriages with couples all the time. We get so self-focused on me and my needs and building my kingdom and my career and my whatever it is. But when we focus on other people, we become more Christ-like. And our focus shifts. There's sometimes my level of compassion isn't always where it needs to be. That's another area that I've been begging God to grow me in, and, and He has. Pastor Tim's talked about it a lot of times, but both of us with our career in the past, we've, we've had hardened hearts somewhat to people in general from what we've seen on the streets and what we've been a part of in different things. And, and God's had to, God has wrecked us for people in a different way now. We see people around us. We see the scripture like I see a scripture like this though, and and I I see them stopping these blind people and trying to keep them quiet and telling them not to interrupt Jesus. And we realize that's a part of our nature. As, as fallen humans as we are, we we're not just automatically thinking about other people all the time. It's something that we have to go after and foster in our relationship with the Lord. But also. Some of these scriptures like this make you feel a little bit better about yourself, maybe. You know, I may not have been the most compassionate this week, but I wasn't stiff-arming blind people and telling them to shut up, you know. <laughs> I hadn't done that this week. So sometimes we have to laugh and look at the scriptures and be like, well, I, you know, I'm doing a little better than some of these guys were. <laughs> but we see Jesus. He asked them, what do you want me to do for you? And I've heard this preached on, and it's a good thing to ponder. If Jesus was in front of you, and he looked at you, and he said, what do you want me to do for you? And some of you in the room today, maybe that's a question you need to ask or answer. Ask Jesus what it is that you need from him. But for a lot of other of us, I want to turn that around a little bit and think of the impact that we could have on other people in our witness about Jesus, if we pray today and we pray this week, God, slow me down, interrupt my life this week with someone or with an opportunity to where you let my eyes see who you want me to see, the situation you want me to see. And then in that, 
we stop and we ask that person, whether it could be somebody in your family, or it could be somebody out doing relief work, it could be anything, but we ask that person, what can I do for you? How can I pray for you? Is there anything you need? And then be prepared to help meet that need. Help be prepared to minister to them through Christ. Proverbs 19, 17. It says, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. Jesus took risk with people. Sometimes it was, it was messy. It wasn't always a great opportunity, and the people around it sure didn't even understand what was going on or even agree with what he was doing at times. But he had compassion, and we should too as we strive to be like him and remember the sacrifice that he did for us this week. Amen? The second point I want to talk about is the Lord needs us to celebrate and worship him. That's what this day was about as he came into Jerusalem. What happened through Jesus in his life, it was meant to be made known to all of mankind, to everyone. He was God's word made flesh to reveal God's glory. So in this, we see Jesus put together this group of disciples and this group of guys that didn't make sense, that didn't go together to come alongside him and have a relationship, yes, but to also be affected by his ministry and to be witness to it so they could experience this and spread that to all the rest of us, to write about it, to tell about it, all these things. And I, I don't know, I just look at this sometimes and I ask, if Jesus hadn't revealed God to his disciples or the crowds that day, if he hadn't entered into Jerusalem on a donkey to shouts of acclamation, fulfilling the prophecy, would, would the world have ever known him as king? And I think, I think we see that in the answer in the last part of the scripture we started with. But, but I want to look back at it real quickly. In Luke 19, 37 through 40, he said, When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. There's our answer. God's going to fulfill his purpose. He's going to fulfill it. He used the disciples to do it, and he wants to use each one of you to do it. But it's up to us to have a part in that. We have a choice. And just as, he, just as he was telling these Pharisees, he tells us as well, hey, you can sit on the sidelines and not tell about me and not proclaim me, but I'll use the rocks to cry out my name. You, you don't want to miss out on that blessing, the miracles that we talked about and the things that he has for us by celebrating and worshiping him and letting other people know about him. So this, this is Passover week, and the people were excited then, but what are we going to get excited about this week? What are you going to get excited about this week? It's springtime. There's a lot of things going on. Some days the weather's getting nice. Some days it's real rainy and yucky, stormy. It's ball season. There's been a lot of cheering and excitement for ball games, recitals, all kinds of different things in our lives that are fun and good things. But this week... We need to get excited about Jesus and about what he's doing. We should do it all the time, but if we can't do it this week, there's something wrong with us or, or our priorities. So how will you celebrate and worship God this week as we consider 
what he's done for us. And how will you share that with somebody else? I'll admit, I've gotten, I've gotten excited over trivial things before way too much and, and really been complacent in the important things. But, but God's changing me in that as well. And it's, so many times it's easy even for us to get, just get used to the normal, even in our Christian walk and in our faith. We can get bored with it. Everything's going okay. Everything's good. There's nothing we've had to run to God for lately. And we, we leave him out a little bit more. Our worship can become boring. We can just come check a box and, and do it and not really engage in worship. The preaching, it can seem boring. It's not always boring, but it can seem boring sometimes. That's on us. Not, not as the ones bringing the word. God's, give, God's bringing the word, but if we're not right in our hearts, it can seem boring. Our friendships can get boring. Serving can get boring. I promise you, that doesn't usually happen around here. We've got such an amazing serve team. And if you want to see excitement in serving, you can see it at the front doors. You can, I promise you, you can go in the kids' wing. If you need some excitement and seeing people excited about sharing the Lord, go down and serve in the kids' wing and see the way they interact with these kids and the way they teach these kids the Word back there. It's exciting. That's not boring. But it can get boring. We have so much to celebrate, and we're supposed to have joy in doing it. It cracked me up. I was reading Pastor Marcus's message that he wrote for this weekend. And uh, he said, some of you, you're going to need remedial worship in heaven. <laughs> that cracked me up. Now, I, I love to worship. That's, there's, there's a couple of reasons I sit on the front row. And, and, and one of them is because I love to worship, but I can't sing. Uh, if there's remedial voice lessons in heaven, that'll, I'll be lined up for that one. Uh, but we can just get caught up in doing the same thing. I love Psalm 100, 1 through 5. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. You see who this is about? It's not us. For the Lord is good and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. If you can't celebrate and worship over that, we need to do something. It's one of my favorite passages. So let's find some things to celebrate this week and share them with someone. And I can promise you this, if you come back next weekend on Easter, we're going to be doing some celebrating in here. We're going to celebrate all that the Lord's done for us. The last thing that I want to talk about today is that the Lord needs you at the table. We're in this series talking about the table, and Pastor Tim opened it up last week, talking about the invitation and how important that is to invite someone to the table. Well, God's invited us to His table, and I think when we look at this, we see how important Jesus even had some emphasis on the table and this Last Supper, and the place that he chose to have such an intimate time. Let's look at Matthew 26, 20 through 29. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him, one after the other, Surely you don't know me, Lord. Jesus replied, 
The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, You have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. This is the place that Jesus had this really intimate moment. This is the place where they had conversations, challenges, teaching, and ultimately, the first communion. Jesus, the creator of all things, knew that this could be a safe place to come together with his disciples. Healthy relationships. In reality, most of us have tables in our own homes. Some of us have multiple tables. And we don't even use them. We're scattered out amongst the house with family at different times. We don't have times that we really come together to those. We let our schedules or our distractions keep us from this time with our families or our friends. This is another area that I can, man, I can really get on my soapbox about, and Pastor Tim hit on it pretty hard last week, so I won't go too far into it, but talked about the importance in his family of that time around the table with his parents and even his dad's co-workers that were invited there. And, and this is something that's always been important to us, and we've tried to foster that from, from an early time in our family to make that time almost sacred. And, man, to see the fruit of that. And many of you I've gotten to know at our table or at our couch. It it's not necessarily just a table, but in a time without distractions. And I, I think of just our kids and their friends that we got to really meet and know and, and have some pretty serious conversations into looks into their lives at that table. And the blessings that we've seen even while now my daughter's in college and and she brings new friends from college that we've never met that have heard about our table. And it's not the food probably they've heard about. The food's decent sometimes. No, the food's decent sometimes. But that's not what they're hearing about. They're hearing about the special times. I think they're, they're hearing about other friends that have been there and the way that we pray. We have hard conversations sometimes. We dig into each other's lives. And it's made a huge impact on our kids, on some of our friends and people around us. Here are some things that tend to happen around the table. Stress can begin to leave. Said Jesus was reclining at the table. They were just kicked back. You can relax. Now I realize for some of you with, with little ones, you're like, yeah, right. <laughs> we're not getting these little ones around the table there's no it's it's a zoo all the time around here and I get that I get that but I think we cheat ourselves a lot of times in how long that season is 
if you don't start establishing it early and establishing some habits of that time in your family, years will start ticking by. And you'll keep having excuses one after another. So I get it. It can be hard sometimes. It can take an effort. But I promise you it's worth it. Trust is formed around the table. Walls come down. You find common ground. It's therapy for our souls. So we share experiences. Talk about the things that matter to us. Creating memories. Laughing. Sometimes fighting. Everybody got to love a good food fight, right? Every once in a while. Kind of get a little crazy, have some fun. It's real talk. Working through things. We look at that last supper table. It was tense there for a little while. He said, one of you is going to betray me. All of you are going to abandon me. Starts out like, man, who wants to be at that table? That sounds kind of rough. If you want to improve your relationships, make some time for the table. Jesus wants you at his table. He wants relationship with you, but he wants us to do that with each other as well. And if it's not, it doesn't have to be eating. It can be playing a game, any kind of time where we put all the distractions to the side. We turn off the TV. We put the cell phones up. And we just interact with each other. We see that Jesus gets to the, the best part of this, though, at the end. When he says, this new covenant between you and God is no longer based on your efforts. He really brings it home. He said, but it's going to be based on mine and what I'm about to do for you. Such a powerful table to be at. As we reflect on this, this Easter week, I hope that we can see that just as Jesus on that Palm Sunday needed that cult to symbolically proclaim his kingdom and fulfill the prophecy... He needs us to continue to proclaim His kingdom now to those around us and point people to Him. And I just think through this week, we, we see how He calls us to slow down and show compassion to others. To celebrate and worship Him in our day-to-day -day lives, not just when we come here on Sundays, but to celebrate and worship Him and be that example to those around us. And we need to be at the table with Jesus, yes, but we need to talk about the things of God around our table and in our relationships and make time for that as well. Enjoy this new covenant that we have with Him. It's so special. And we do all this to try and bring glory to His name and to ultimately bring people to Him. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. If you made a decision for Christ or could use prayer for any area of your life, please let us know. All you have to do is text Greenbrier to 88000 and click on Connect Card. Be sure to join us next week.